0: Hello, and welcome to Better Health Now. I'm Rob Brown, I'm the host of this podcast. It's good to hear you, good to have you back again. I hope you're checking in for your weekly bit of advice and information to take your steps toward getting to to better health now. We know it's a a journey and we've talked about that before. Uh, For those of you who are listening on the first time, uh, we have some other podcasts that you can go back and listen to, Uh, if you're listening on iTunes or on Google Play, it'd be great to have you share that with some other folks get the word out there that this information that I have can be shared with some other people. Today I really want to tackle a subject that's really important and affects a lot more people than probably anybody realizes. We jokingly talk about it all the time and we jokingly complain about how much it affects us, but it really does have a huge impact on all of our lives. What I'm going to talk about today is stress. Now, This is not a fluffy topic. This is not a light topic. This is not something that deserves just a brush over, but for the interest of time, we're gonna have to try to sort of keep it condensed. We're gonna talk about lots of different aspects of stress, and we're we're gonna try to get as deep as we possibly can in a podcast. Psychologists and counselors spend years training themselves to deal with the stress that you bring to, to the counseling sessions that they can advise you. It's foolish for me to think that in 15 or 20 or 30 minutes, I can teach you all about stress and you can solve the problems uh, and eliminate the stress in your life just by listening to a podcast. That's not gonna happen. I'm gonna try to get you some good information and maybe we can make a start toward decreasing some of the stress and how some of the stress affects on us. So this is gonna be deep. This is gonna be wide. We're gonna be moving fast. We're gonna be talking about a lot of things. Put in your crash helmets. Buckle up, folks. This one's gonna be a hitter. All right, I wanna start with a limited definition of stress. There's lots of things you can talk about stress, lots of ways you can define it, but I wanna talk about a a bit of a definition that gets just a little bit clinical. In 1936, a guy named Hans Selye defined stress as, "quote the non-specific response of the body to any demand for change, end quote. This really doesn't get at the concept of stress that most of us think about. Most of us think about more along the lines of a psychological stress, but Selye is very, very observant in this. He started the, the, the process of stress, talking about stress. It's a non specific response of the body to any demand for change. Everything that we encounter throughout the course of our day is a potential stressor, it causes stress to us. It could be the alarm clock going off. Off in the morning it could be the temperature when we walk outside on a hot day or a cold day it can be thirst it can be a siren going off there's lots of things that demand that our body do something those are all a different kind of stress they're not all bad stresses but they are stress. they ask our body to do something so we as humans get to define as best we can what things stress us how are we affected by stress? What is it? What causes it? What is the thing that bothers us? It's the, it's the stuff of life. It's the stuff that happens to us. The stuff that we come in contact with every day. When your alarm clock goes off in the morning, you're gonna to head to your job. Your work can be in stress. When you wake up in the morning next to your spouse, that can be a stress. When you wake up in the morning, not next to a spouse. When you have to take care of children, or don't have children to take care of. The commute to work, for kids, the drive to school. What are our finances like? We've got plenty of money, we don't have enough money, we don't have enough to pay the bills. All these things cause stress. In what state is our health? Are we battling an illness or are we enjoying the fruits of of good health because of some good practices and a little bit of luck sometimes? What about our relationships? Even vacations can be a stress for us. Anything that changes our day, our week, our month, is a type of a stress. In 1967, there were two researchers named Holmes and Ray, and they cataloged and created a survey. They created a bunch of questions for you that you respond to. If you've experienced these things in the course of a year, You make a check mark in the box and then they associate each event that you've encountered over the past year with the number of points. At the end of the survey, you total up the number of points you have and this is a predictor, according to them, that seems to be pretty accurate, a predictor of whether or not you are likely to experience a health breakdown over the course of the next two years. I think one of the most interesting things about this The two most interesting things I should say, one of the most interesting things is that they look at it over the long haul. If you are faced with lots of these stresses, lots of these events over the course of a year, we're not talking about a week, we're not talking about a month, we're talking about over the span of a year. That's a long time that we think about stress adding up on us, adding up, piling up on us. We also are told by them that this is a predictor of whether or not we'll experience a breakdown in the next two years. So we're not just talking about a stress that occurs today making us sick by the end of this week. We could be talking about the stresses that are piling up over the last six months and nine months and 12 months, wearing our systems down and causing us to have some kind of a health breakdown 24 months from now. This is this kind of heavy stuff, isn't it? If we're talking about better health now, what about over the past year and what about for the next two years to come? That's, that's a time frame that most of us aren't uh, thinking about very often and we're not necessarily geared for doing something about that we live in a society today that's pretty instant you can talk to alexa on your google and she can order the things that you need right now it's it's a big change for us to go back and realize that's not going to cut it when we're talking about the stress that affects us the things that have been piling up for the past year could take up to two years to really hit us so those are the, the couple of the scientific studies that I want to give, lay, lay a background for. you. There's more background, and I want to talk some more about that. Stress is the things that we come in contact with, right? However, stress can also be the things that we haven't come in contact with yet. We can be stressed or be worried about something that may not happen, and that is still a stress there's a layoff going around at work, you are stressed because somebody's going to lose their job and you're afraid that that might be you. Even if it doesn't happen, you are still affected by the stress of that potential change. Stresses can be things that don't really even happen but could potentially have happened. Things that will happen tomorrow can be a stress for us. People get stressed before they do something new. The first time you get up in front of people uh, and a large group of people and you have to talk to them, there's a lot of people that not only get stressed out, but kind of get freaked out by that. That's a stress, man. The sweaty palms, the the clammy hands, the shortness of breath, that little bit of sweating that people get. If you've never stood up in front of a group of people, sometimes, some of you probably had some of those reactions just thinking about that. You're not going up in front of a person, but just thinking about possibly going up in front of a person brings on a stress reaction for you. Stress comes in many packages, in many different places in our lives. It's the workplace, it's our home. It's relationships. It's the worldview that we have. What's going on politically and ec- economically. There's also a major category of stress that I'm not even going to touch today because it's way out of my scope. Post-traumatic stress t- disorder, PTSD. Those folks coming back from the military, those folks that have seen things, that have been in stressful situations for long periods of time, they know what kind of things stress does to your body, and they're living with it on a daily basis. Stress is also just in the normal day-to-day stuff. It's not just mental. What if? Physical changes is all, are also a stress. The most important thing to, to remember is that the more of a change there is, the more likely that we're gonna respond physically with the things that are defined as stress. If you're a person who starts working a job as a night shift, boy, those first few nights on night shift can be such a big change for you. And you can really have an impact on your physical health as well as your mental well-being. Anytime you're dealing with working lots of overtime or, or being busy and not getting enough sleep, Lots of reasons for not getting enough sleep. Those physical changes can have a physical as well as a mental psychological impact on you. What about those first couple of days in the spring when it starts to get really warm or those first really hot days in the summer or those first really cold days in the winter? Not only do we see people with some complaints about those things, but we see people coming down with some illnesses during those those times of change. We have physical stresses and we have sort of mental stresses, perceived stresses, (laughs) Both of these two stresses, physical and mental, affect our bodies the same way. I want to talk a little bit about how they affect our bodies. We all have a system in our bodies that is designed to help us and protect us. And it is a really effective and good system. Some, of, some people have heard of the fight or flight response of our bodies. Other people are aware and recognize this as a role of the sympathetic nervous system. We're really talking about the same things. Our bodies respond when we perceive, and that's the important word, we perceive that we are threatened in any way. Perception, perceiving things, means that we have to interpret it. Whether this is real or imaginary, whether this is present, future, and sometimes even things in the past can cause us stress because we perceive them and we perceive that they threaten us. Let's keep in mind that we can misinterpret something and it can still cause us stress. So even if the bad thing doesn't happen, or the thing that happens wasn't really bad, it can still cause a stress, a physical, mental change for us. Our bodies respond when they're faced with a threat, what we perceive as a threat. Most of you have heard of the adrenal glands. They're glands that sit on the top of our kidneys. They produce chemicals that our bodies use. Some of these chemicals are released when we perceive a threat. These chemicals are designed to help our bodies deal with the threat, the physical threats. Back in the old days, and I think this is the easiest way to understand it, when you were out in the woods and you came across a bear, that's a threat. Your body releases these chemicals to allow you to fight or flight, either pick up a branch and whack the bear and drive it off, or turn around and run like crazy. Those chemicals give you extra strength, extra endurance, they raise your blood pressure, they give the parts of your body necessary to fight the bear or get out of there, as much of a chance to survive. They, they crank those systems up for us, thank heavens. Got that? Fight or flight. Some of the chemicals that our body releases at that time, uh, especially our adrenaline, that's the one that we've probably heard of most uh, commonly. There's also a couple others, noradrenaline and some dopamine. These are chemicals that our body uses on a regular basis, but they can really be effective when we need them to run away from the bear or fight off the bear. Great website out there, uh, mayoclinic.org. And According to them, they talk about adrenaline and its roles. It ad- increases your heart rate, elevates your blood pressure, and boosts energy supplies. They also talk about cortisol, another one of these chemicals that's released. It's the primary stress hormone, according to them. It increases sugar in the bloodstream, it enhances your brain's use of glucose, increases the availability of substances that repair tissues, curbs functions that would be non-essential in a fight or flight situation. I'm reading right off their website now. It alters immune responses and suppresses the digestive system, the reproductive system, and growth processes. This complex natural alarm system, the fight or flight, coming from the adrenal glands, also communicates with the regions of your brain, brain, regions of your brain that control mood, motivation, and fear. I really like the way mayoclinic.org lays out the stress and that's a great resource for you to go to. Go to mayoclinic.org, type in stress. They can give you a whole bunch of this information if you really want to get it in written form. That's what's going on. We perceive a stress, our adrenal glands kick in, they release these chemicals and those are the things that happens. These chemicals increase the blood to our muscles so we can run away. They increase the the blood supply to our heart and lungs so our heart can beat more and we can get more oxygen in so we can run away or beat the bear. They give us extra strength and muscle power and endurance. Our heart rate, blood pressures go up. Those are all great things and it helps us to get away from the bear or die trying. However, if you listened, there's also a cost associated with that. Those same chemicals that help us stay alive shut down some of our other systems. We really don't need blood going to our stomach. We're not worried about digesting food when we're running away from the bear. We don't want to be digesting food. Our digestive system is shut off, basically. The way we digest food, process food, absorb it in our intestines. Our resting and recuperation systems are shut down. We are not worried about healing and repairing a cut. Our body is worried about getting out of there or hitting the bear hard enough to make it leave. Our reproductive system is impaired. Our mood and our mental status is affected by this as well. Now, those are facts. Those are the things that happen. And if you are out in the woods, those chemicals have saved your life. So it's worth it. If they didn't save your life and you got eaten by the bear, then the case is closed and we don't have to talk about it anymore. Those are great if we still live out in the woods and we're being chased by a bear on a regular basis. But that probably doesn't happen today. Uh, Quite the opposite. Today, we don't get eaten by bears. We get eaten by what stress does to us. I'm going to give you a couple of examples and talk about them. Three o'clock on Friday afternoon, the boss comes by your desk and drops an extra load of work and says, this project has to be done in an hour. You look at the project and realize that it takes two hours to accomplish the task. (laughs) Stress. What are you going to do about it? Um, you're not going to run away. You're not going to pick up a branch and beat the boss, much as you would like to do either one of those two things. Both of them would get rid of the physical effects of stress on your body, but one would probably get you fired and the other one would get you reprimanded for leaving your desk and not doing the project. Neither one are very good choices. So what do we do instead? We sit at our desk and bang out that report as best we can. Unfortunately, Our bodies don't realize that we are not in a fight-or-flight situation. The bear is not going to eat us. The boss is not going to eat us. But the chemicals released into our system affect us the exact same way as if it was in that real situation. So our blood pressure goes up. Our heart rate goes up. All those things that we just talked about happen. The good, uh, which for typing out a report, none of it is good for us. The bad, all those systems in our body that we really want to have working, shut down. We're ready for action, and what do we get? Mental stimulation, mental exercise, mental demands, mental requirements. Our body's revved up, and it's got no place to go. And our brain is not necessarily functioning at its highest level at that point in time. What a horrible design. I'll give you another example of a stress that's not quite as immediate. Uh, You turn on the news, and you hear that there's going to be two or three inches of snow in a snowstorm that's coming tomorrow freak out because you don't have bread, milk and toilet paper. You freak out because you have to take a longer trip than normal because you've got to drive someplace tomorrow to an appointment or to a meeting. It hasn't snowed yet and still your blood pressure goes up and all those exact same things kick in for you. You're ready to get out of the car and walk the distance if you had to, but it's tomorrow and it's not even yet. So you're not going to sleep well tonight. You're not going to digest your food well tonight. You're going to have a host of other physical ailments that are hopefully pretty minor, but they're going to be with you. And and those are just some of the bad things. Remember now, our rest and repair and recuperation systems are in shutdown when that happens. Our digestive system is shut down. Now, if you just ate lunch and the boss drops that on your desk, you know what your food's doing? It ain't doing nothing, man. It's sitting there. It's not being digested. It's just a big load of hopefully not cheeseburgers and french fries, but a chicken salad sitting in your stomach, not digesting. It's in your intestines, not digesting. Does that sound like it could give you some heartburn? It could give you some digestive complaints? Our healing system, if you got a paper cut before lunch and the boss throws this at you, it's not healing as well. It's the last thing we need. We, we don't want our immune systems backfiring. Is it possible that long-term chronic stress is playing some kind of role in all the autoimmune issues that we're seeing today? Or does it just make it harder for us to get rid of the cold or the flu that everybody seems to be battling right now? All these chemicals floating around in our system are making us ready to go fight the bear, but they're making it impossible for us to get to sleep at night. People can't stay asleep. Some of these folks are experiencing the reproductive difficulties because that system has taken a hit from all these chemicals is it possible that some of the fertility issues that people are having today stem back to some of the constant and chronic stress that we're dealing with day in and day out for the past year? I raise those issues not to offer definite um, one-to-one correlation between them, but I think those are some of the things that we need to try to keep, be open-mindedly skeptical about. Give some thought to it. If you're suffering from, in some of those areas and you realize that you're perception of stress or the way you deal with stress is less than optimal, then getting a handle on your stress could really help you in some of those other areas. I'm not saying that they're not medical conditions. I'm saying that getting a handle on your stress might help you in those places. Okay, sounds great. Uh, Gonna give us some ideas on that? That's my next plan. Useful tools, safe tools. Helpful, effective? That's what we're gonna try to find out. What do we do about stress? Well, if I try to give you Everything you need to know about stress in the next mm, two minutes, uh, you probably should turn this off. Anybody that tells you that they can give you a way to handle your stress that takes two minutes is selling you some kind of a program or is a complete idiot. I try to be neither one of those, but I am gonna try to give you a couple of practical things. And remember, we're talking about steps here. If you can take any of these steps to start to decrease your stress, you'll be in a better place to handle the next amount of stress you get and hopefully, deal with the next amount of stress as it hits your body and what it does physically to you. So where do we go? What do we do? Well, let's go back to the beginning. One of the first things that I talked about was that stress is perceived by us. Trying to tell someone to change their perceptions is like trying to tell a leopard to change its spots, but that's where we have to start. The example of someone having anxiety and stress about the chance that it's going to snow tomorrow is a great place to start. I live in Western Pennsylvania and We see people typically running to the grocery store like mad as soon as the weather forecast calls for two inches of snow. People drive to the grocery store when the roads are still nice. They buy their bread, their milk, and their toilet paper enough to last for a week. In some way, their brain connects a snowfall of two or three inches with the possibility that they won't be able to get to the grocery store in the next week and they need enough food to last for a week. There was nothing wrong with that kind of planning ahead, but as a response to the possibility of snow, when the grocery store will still be open tomorrow even if they get 3 inches of snow. The trucks will still be delivering food tomorrow regardless of the amount of snow we get. There's no real reason for people to be anxious and have a stressful reaction to the forecast in the weather. If we do get 2 or 3 inches of snow tomorrow, they might have to not go to the grocery store until the Plows get out and clear it off. So people hear these weather tales, and I'm not saying that being prepared isn't a great thing. In fact, just the opposite. We can decrease the amount of stress by being prepared for those kinds of situations. We don't allow the situation to cause us to be stressed. We simply prepare for the situation. Instead of responding to a perceived threat, we take action. That's one of the best things that we can do. How do we change perception? Well, we recognize that the stores are not gonna be closed, that the roads will not be impassable for the next weeks and that we will be able to get out and get more food. Calm yourself down and understand those things and now when you decide to go to the grocery store, it won't be from a stressful position, it will be because you wanna be prepared. Another one, the boss comes and drops that project on your desk. You know you only have an hour. You've got two hours worth of information that you can put in here. What do you do now? The world is not gonna end because your boss dropped this project on you. He's aware of what he did to you and he knows that you cannot do two hours worth of work in one hour, even if he doesn't know it's two hours worth of work. So rather than responding in a stressful way, recognize that it is a part of your job. It is only a part of your job. The rest of the week's work effort that you've put in speaks volumes about what you've done. And a boss is not going to be unrealistic when he realizes that he dropped a project on your desk at the last minute and expect for you to have something that looks like you spent a week on it. We feel that way and we try to work that way. But that's not reality. And every boss, every good boss that's out there, understands when they put people into a situation like that. And they make great allowances for the things that they can and can't do. I'm a boss myself and I make those allowances and I understand What can be done in a short amount of time? If we make recognition of that, if we perceive that what we've been given is a task that's too much for us, we'll do our best to get it accomplished, but it won't affect us quite the same way. So we can try to change the way we perceive this situation, this event is going to affect us us, or is affecting us. Be realistic as well. It's not the end of the world when we get two or three inches of snow. My kids would like to tell you otherwise because they think every two inches of snow should be a two-hour delay from school or no school. Kids look at a two-hour delay or two inches of snow and a chance to not have school in a great way. We look at it as a nightmare. It's the same two inches of snow. The only difference is perception, how we perceive it. They don't care about the fact that they're going to have to go an extra day of school sometime in the spring to make up for today, they see two or three or six inches of snow as the best possible outcome, and we, the same six inches of snow, panic. It's all about perception. So anything that we can do to help try to change the perception, and one of the first things we can do with that is just stop. Stop and reevaluate everything. Is this really gonna be that important six months from now? Twelve months from now? And if the answer is no, then it's not as important to be stressed by it. You're still going to do your best when the boss puts the job on your desk, but you don't get stressed by it because these kind of tasks come up every single week and you've done 51 of them in the 51 prior weeks perfectly for the boss. He's going to realize that. So a little bit of, of, pausing and reevaluation and honesty about this particular event can help us with a better perception and decrease the the amount of stress that this particular incident creates in us. I said decrease uh, and I don't think we're ever, any of us are ever going to get to the point where things like that aren't going to bother us. They are going to have an effect on us. We can hopefully decrease it, but it's still going to be there. So what else do we do? Well, remember, stress isn't just something that's perceived by us. It then has a physical effect on our body. It releases chemicals into our system. Those chemicals do several things. So what do we want to do? Let's start by combating the effects of that stress. If we've just put a bunch of stress chemicals into our system and our blood pressure is going up and our heart rate's going up and our then we need to find a way to do some things that will bring those systems back in check, back into line with where they should be. What do you do when your heart rate is fast, when it's elevated? We have to find a way to calm ourselves down. Telling someone who's excited like that to calm down has never worked, it never will. Don't try that. Instead, you need to find the things that calm you. Don't worry about the things that calm me. You're not me, I'm not you and it's not gonna work that way. What is it? I hate to say go to your happy place, but find the things that you normally do that help calm you and soothe you. Maybe at the end of that day, you go home from work when the boss has dumped that project on you. You put on a pair of warm pajamas or a comfortable pair of sweatpants or a hooded sweatshirt. You make yourself a cup of tea. You prop the feet up and you grab a book. You turn on some classical music. You watch, you immerse yourself in, in a video that you've been dying to see and you let the stress sort of melt away because you put some s- soothing and calming into your life. I'm not a big fan of chamomile tea, but some people swear by it. And there are a lot of herbal supplements and natural products that help soothe and calm us. Those things could be wonderful tools to use at the end of a long, rough, stress-filled day. Is it gonna get rid of all the chemicals? No, but, but it'll help put some of the other chemicals in. The only way we're really gonna burn those chemicals out of our system is if we get out in the woods and run away from the bear. So if you're gonna go to the gym and hit the treadmill for a half hour, or 45 minutes, or an hour, if you're in shape to do that, you might be able to burn those chemicals out of your system. If you're not able to get to the gym or you can't run for 45 minutes or an hour, it's a little tougher. But physical exercise is definitely something that can help burn the stuff out of our system. You'll find that when you're under stress and those chemicals are in your system, your ability to get a good workout in is much easier. Your heart rate's already gonna be naturally elevated. Your muscles are already doing their job. So when you start doing that workout, whether it's riding the bike, lifting the weights, doing the Zumba, treadmill, or out running, you'll have a pretty good workout after that. Your body is using those chemicals that are floating around in there to do exactly what we were designed to do. Kill the bear or get away from it. So if you leave the gym or leave work and go to the gym and find the bear, your bear, the treadmill, the spin cycle, the Zumba class, you can completely undo the physical effects of those chemicals in your body. So we can either burn those chemicals out, which is a great idea, or we can try to fill our body up with some of those other relaxing chemicals by doing those relaxing things. Those are both great ideas, and I think when it comes to stress, the more we can combine those two, the better effects we'll have. We've talked about perception of stress now. We've talked about what we do with those chemicals, but let's look real quickly at the systems in our body that have been smacked by the stress chemicals. Those systems that have been kind of shut down or beat down by the chemicals. Let's try to find ways to boost the way they function. What can be helpful for aiding in digestion? doesn't have to be because you've got indigestion, but if you've been under stress, the food in your, your system has not digested itself very well. Make sure that you're not complicating that by adding bad things into your system. You may not need a big meal that evening because what you had for lunch is still sitting in your stomach undigested because of the chemicals and because of the blood supply. Maybe you can get foods that you eat that are easier for your body to digest. Maybe there are digestive enzymes that you find are helpful for you or drinking a little bit more water. Those kinds of things that could, can make your digestive system work a little bit better could really be helpful for you after you've experienced the stress of the boss dropping the project on you. Great ideas. What other things can we do for our immune system? Are there vitamins that we need to take that help our immune system to work at its maximum efficiency? We certainly don't wanna be deficient in the B vitamins and vitamin C if we're gonna ask our immune system to work at its, its top level. So we probably wanna make sure that our diet is good, that we've got a nice balance of fruits and vegetables in there, that we're getting the fresh foods that we need to supply us with, the vitamins that help our immune system work properly. Almost the things that you would do when you're trying to fight off a cold or the flu, the chicken soup, the fresh fruits, the orange juice, those kinds of things. Are there foods that we can eat that calm us and soothe us? Are there essential oils that we can eat or breathe or rub onto our skin that when soaked into the body produce some of these relaxation responses of the different parts of the body? All those things are great to try to do to help our systems work better. And maybe the other thought on that is not throwing nasty chemicals at our body at these times. If you have indigestion because of the stress, chugging down some pepto or taking some antacids is probably not the, the smartest thing to do. Pouring chemicals into your system when your system is already sort of working with one hand tied behind its back does not help the system work better sort of covers up the symptoms, but it does so at the expense of putting chemicals in there. All these outside chemicals have potential side effects. And the last thing that we want to do when we've got a system that's been beat up a little bit is throw some caustic chemicals, throw some irritating chemicals smack dab on it. What's going on with your digestive system? It's not working well. Fire some chemicals in there. What's going on with your mood and your thought processes? Throw some chemicals at it. There's a tendency for people, when they are faced with these problems, when when their systems are taking a beating, that we reach for the stuff that's in the medicine cabinet. We reach for the stuff that can be prescribed by the medical doctors. Sometimes we do need that, I understand. But it would be better for us to be able to decrease the beatdown of those systems as naturally as possible so that we can rely less on those chemicals alcohol, street drugs, recreational chemicals that try to get us away from reality are used by an awful lot of folks. And in the end, we know that they've got a much bigger um, cost. There's a payment that has to be made for those things someplace down the road, and it could be the next time that you take them. I don't recommend those kinds of things for people to help them relax. Going home and knocking back a half a case of some adult beverage, because you had a stressful day at work, doesn't do anything to help your digestion. Doesn't help you sleep at night. It doesn't get rid of those chemicals in your body. It just makes you or helps you pass out at night. You're left with those chemicals still in your system and now you've got to deal with the effects of a hangover. You've got to deal with the effects of dehydration from all the alcohol. So if we can stay away from those harmful chemicals, especially the ones that don't have any positive effects, then we won't be adding fuel to the fire of an already beat down immune system, digestive system, reproductive system, mental system, or moods. There's a lot there to try to get a handle on. There's a lot there to try to change. Um, I don't think this is an easy task, and I could probably spend the next six, eight hours talking with people about what stress is. I do this on a regular basis because stress has such an impact on all of us. We're all faced with these things. I'm a chiropractor, so I see a lot of people that come to my office. Many of their injuries and problems are tied in with stresses that are just, to them, seemingly overwhelming. They end up with a physical breakdown, and that's when I see so many of them. Their, their muscular system is out of balance because they're cranked up all the time. They're not sleeping well at night, their nutrition's bad, they get sick, they pull a muscle, they sprain or strain something. They're just coming to me in poor health. Getting a handle on stress, how we perceive it, understanding what it does to our bodies, figuring out ways we can undo the bad chemicals with exercise, put some better chemicals into our system through foods and through diet understanding when we should not be firing additional chemicals in there, can help us in one sense decrease the amount of stress that we have by helping us perceive stress a little bit better. On the next hand, it can help us understand how we can respond to the stresses a little bit better. The last thing that I wanna talk about is something that is in psychology textbooks, and we could spend another half hour talking about this, so I'm gonna try to be brief. They did an experiment where they looked at something called learned helplessness. They took two sets of dogs, they put them in crates, metal floored crates, then they ran wires to the floors and were able to put an electrical current into the floors. Same number of dogs in each crate. The only difference between the two crates was one of the crates had an area with a rubber mat so the dogs could go get on the mat to get away from electricity random times throughout the course of the day, they would electrify electrify the floor of the metal crate. Not with enough electricity to harm the dogs, but just to be irritating. The dogs in the crate that was completely metal had no choice but to stand there. They might try to get up on two paws to take two of their paws off it to decrease the irritation, but they were stuck on the metal. The other crate had the metal, the rubber mat, and those dogs could when they felt the electricity move to the rubber mats and stand there in complete comfort. The end of the story is the dogs in the crate that couldn't get away from the electricity died. Eventually, they stopped standing. They started laying down even when electricity was going on. They gave up and died. That is called helplessness. That is called learned helplessness. The electricity was not enough to cause, cause them death. It wasn't enough to harm them. But they quit trying. They accepted their lot in life, if you will, and just laid down and died. We go through the exact same thing potentially. We feel that we're overwhelmed by the workload that the boss drops on us. Well, you can either lay down on the floor of the electrified crate and move yourself closer and closer and closer to breakdown and death, Or you can move yourself over to the rubber mat and say, I've done everything that I can. The dogs in that crate could not control when the electrical shock was coming, how strong it was going to be, or how long it was going to last. They could do one thing and one thing only, and that's get off the floor and go over to the rubber mat. That's what we get to do. When we're faced with a situation where we feel helpless, we are out of control, we are being placed under a greater amount of stress, we have one choice many times, take it, do whatever it is that you can do. I have this little control in this situation, but I have control. I will do what I can for this, and you are just like the dogs, nobody wants to be compared to a dog, but we are just like those dogs. We've gotten off the metal floor onto the rubber floor. The boss drops something on your desk. You do exactly what you can. I have one hour to work on this project. I will give him the main points and two bullet points underneath the main point, and that's what he gets in an hour. He can fill it in from there because there's no way I can do the entire project in two hours. In one hour. It takes two. I've done what I can. I've done everything that I can, which in our terms is not learned helplessness. We've gotten onto the rubber mat. As soon as you do that, stop. Give yourself a pat on the back. Give yourself an "add-a-boy" or an "add-a-girl." I did what I could. I've taken control of my situation. When you do that, you are moving away from learned helplessness. You are moving to take control. You're accurately perceiving the threat because you've got a task that's impossible, you are doing the task to the best of your abilities, which is making you not helpless. You are actively doing something, and then you recognize that you're taking steps in the positive direction. That may not be a large step, and you certainly haven't solved the problem if your boss dropping something on your desk. But you only get the ability to do what you can do. It'd be great if you could tell the boss or could change the boss's mind to drop it on somebody else's desk. That would be proactive about it hey boss, remember now, the last six weeks you've dropped this on my desk on Friday afternoon. Maybe the boss does that because the boss knows that you're the person that can do the job. And instead of that being a stress to you, that should be a comfort to you. The boss realizes how good you you perform your job, how well you perform your job. And when difficult work needs to be done, the boss looks to you. Typically, good bosses also use that kind of scenario to determine who's getting the next promotion you're doing a great job, I can rely on you all the time, you're the person that should get more responsibility and hopefully a bigger paycheck, more vacation time, all the things that you were kind of hoping to to get all along because you've done the job that you should. So that thing that you perceive as stress in the beginning, the boss drop in the project on your desk, really has that silver lining at the end. How long before you see it? I don't know. It's perception, folks. It's activity, it's control, it's what we can do. You do that, you're moving away from that breakdown and learned helplessness, and you're moving toward the good side. That's not gonna say that it always works out that way, but you've taken what control you can. Your only other choice is to lay down in the crate and let your electricity get you. That's where we all are when it comes to stress. It's gonna get us. The only way we're not gonna be affected by stress is when we die. As long as we're alive, we will be faced with stressful things. How we perceive them, how we acknowledge that those chemicals are there and we can attack and get rid of those chemicals or replace them with good chemicals and how we can try to help the systems that have been beat up and and smacked down by those chemicals and by the stress is what we have control over and what we can do and how we can affect the stress in our lives. There's a lot more things we could talk about. But if you can do those things, you will be on your way to controlling the the effects that stress has on your life. And if you can take those steps, small steps as they are, give yourself the credit when you do those things because you're moving away from learned helplessness. As you can do that, you are taking those small steps toward better health. Not just now and maybe not necessarily now. The stress survey talks about a health breakdown in two years. You could be preventing a health breakdown, not just now, but someplace in the next two years. I'm not going to change the name of the podcast to Better Health two years from now, because we want to work now on what we can do to have better health. This is something that can pay dividends in the long run, and it's something that now that you've heard it, you probably wish you'd done, had started two years ago. Today's the day we start tackle that stress, and see if we can't decrease the effects that it has on us, even if it's a little bit, and realize then that that is taking the next step toward better health. Until next time.